Yes, sir. yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet jazz. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. All my people, throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side to west side, just ride. All my people from uptown to downtown, from Cali to NY, you know we all ride. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Bay Heights Pod. I'm Jason with Ryan. If you have any email, you can reach us at bayheightspod at gmail.com. We're looking at doing a a fan mail episode coming up. So we'd love to hear any questions you have that we can write and I can talk about on the air, respond to them, um, respond to your questions on the air. Um, you can also get us on Twitter at Bay Heights pod and on Instagram as well. Hey Ryan, how are you doing? Hey Jason, pretty good. How are you? I'm doing okay, Ryan. Now I'm out of quarantine. So I got out last Thursday. Do you get like, um, how do they, how do they still, contact trace or any of that stuff because okay. i i, I figure i figure they still keep an eye on you somewhat in in that part of the world just maybe it's my yeah. ignorance but it's like <laughs> i uh i can't remember now if in in the throngs of me moving about and just reacclimating to society have i shared with you any of the checkpoints or any of the screenshots from the app that i've been using or not can't recall yeah that. you you've, you've you've told me about it um but yeah. Pardon my ignorance, but when I we um we watched um we watched the Netflix episode um or the the series on um oh god what was it called um some of the social dilemma or Church. um uh, oh totally under control right because they took they took one of Trump's lines and they decided to make it the um the title <laughs> for the documentary right and basically what they did and I'm pretty sure they singled out Singapore. Um, or maybe some other part of the world, but they just basically said, "Look, you got a cell phone. We're we're pretty much going to keep an eye on you, right? right? Like at all times." And it was quite the apparatus. So that's um, correct. So I'll yeah, tell you so mm-hmm. experiences so far. So the way it works is it's called Safe Entry, and I think there are other actual government-related um, apps too. So anytime you're going to go into any mall or any Starbucks, any type of establishment, you got to um, you got to scan. There's a QR code that's up on the on the glass on the at the doorway. You got to scan the QR code. You kind of have your ID information, your phone number. It's, you log that in. You click check in. You have it pre-saved, likely from previous entries, so it's much faster versus my first time, which is slower because I have to enter it all in. Then you just check in, and then you have to show like your barista or the security guard that you're checked in. And then they just sort of it's a quick like green screen. Like here's a green screen. You show. So they're used to seeing it. You just show it, you keep walking in, and you just go about your business in the mall. Um, then when you're leaving, you check out. So you basically scan the code again, or you have some other switch on your app, and then you just hit checkout. And so every time you're going in and out that way, in theory, if they ever did find someone who was infected, they can immediately look at the database and figure out who all the people are that have been in that area at what time, you know, like whether they're there in the last two days or last in that hour time frame and what the vicinity is. So, so that's how they're doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My thorough. So this is not just me because I came out of quarantine. This is just every person on the Island has to have that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy how um, here on the news here, you know, in Ontario, um, they've pretty much divided all the regions into, well, into, into the regions. The region. And I guess, yeah, I guess they've assigned color codes to mark the severity of the level of control and whatnot. And, you know, uh, I don't know if you remember um, 
CP24, you know, uh, local action news here. But, I mean, every day they just stick a microphone to, like, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry out and, you know, catching the TTC. And it's like, um, you know, how do you feel about uh, Durham region closing malls and, uh, you know, you having to go to Peel and all that stuff? It's like, I almost... Yeah, I almost I almost feel like we shouldn't give the people that option to voice their opinions as loud because I, I think I think what a lot of people are having troubles with here is like we're all thinking the same thing, but you know, we kind of have to um but we also know what's right at the same time. So I think people musing their opinions on TV every day and I would assume that people are consuming more news than ever before. Um yeah, I just I just don't see it as a net positive, and um, and and what we really need is something like you know, and you and I have talked about this. You know, it's like you know what what you got going on on the island there is exactly what we need here, but um, people see it as oh well, that was implemented in that part of the world, and you know, social liberties are to it's you know people just people just you know it becomes political, whereas you know basically what's going on in that part of the world is. No, it's it's what's pragmatic and what's limiting spread, and it's it's got nothing to do with our you know regime of government or anything like that, right? So uh, people have a hard time separating the two. It's also because just the way of life here, there was already a lot of that structure in place. Um, so, for example, let's say you want to buy a SIM chip for your smartphone, you want to buy, you want to just get a mobile plan for your home vacation, you have to show your passport, or if you're a Singaporean, you show your ID. Whereas mm-hmm. when you're you don't need to do that, right? You just buy a SIM chip because you're allowed to. Like they can't just require to see your ID, um, or they're not required to ask. Whereas in actually not just Singapore, but a bunch of Asian countries, the the, the seller is required to look for your ID. You know, right? Phone number to a person. We're going to talk about the Miami Heat, the dynasty, the next installment of our dynasty series in, mm-hmm. in, in South Beach, the Heatles. So this is like the four years of the LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. You know. This, in my opinion, was like the cultural, the, just the peak, the zenith of the NBA. I think I've mentioned that before on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Dynasty series, it's um, it's an interesting thing because they were really relevant culturally across the landscape. You know, there was the decision, which we covered already ad nauseum. It's been covered by a lot of people. Then it was being followed. It was, the, it was in conjunction with the rise of Twitter, social media, and also... When you talk about player empowerment, how it emerged from the decision in LeBron, I mean, it was just a, a sea change in how people were going to look at just social norms and p- conventional thinking. Like you had Obama taking office, which broke a lot of conventional norms. You had LeBron just deciding he's just going to just go to South Beach. And then there was a lot of attention on the heat. So, um, so there's that's at that time, there was a lot of attention. Now, in hindsight, People don't really talk about the heat that much, like those heat, those Miami Heat years. You know, it's like the Miami Heat success that we've seen this year with Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo, and it's almost like people view that almost as if it's like a, a separate um, story altogether. You know, like it, it just it, that's the impression I get. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, quick on that, I think it's more of a recency bias, just because. Okay. Um, this has just been, you know the year of all fuck ups in terms of everything okay. that I think um I, I think I think I certainly hear do. enough 
uh, oh yeah yeah and and you and i saw that the um the you and i saw there was a 10-year anniversary of the famous uh pass from uh Dwayne Wade to LeBron and just the pose that Dwayne Wade makes after yeah. it's just you know arms out so i think i think there's certain moments that are going to age well and i think people I think it's going to be very hard to talk about LeBron's unless LeBron just has the next six years where he's right. just winning, you know, four straight championships that just completely erases what he did in Miami. Almost, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another superstar. I'm trying to think of Jabbar one before the uh, uh, before the Lakers. I believe he did right. So I think it was like once. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. we don't really so talk about the Bucks because there's just exa- like one win. Yeah. So it, I mean. If he just caps off the twilight of his career in spectacular fashion, that just you know he's breaking records, he's just winning championships. You know, Anthony Davis is winning MVPs to go along with LeBron James championships. I mean, you know, for me, it would take more of that because I'm I'm pretty sure. And and and, and to the credit of like ESPN and TNT and and things like that, they're they're really NBA in general is pretty good about celebrating its history. Okay. Um, so for me, anyways, I see enough of. I think for NBA for new fans, um, they're definitely aware that you know LeBron had this career um, before LA. And, you know, he, he had this, he had this run. So um, for me, it was, it was like yesterday. That's, that's what I can say about the Miami Heatles, that run for me, it was like yesterday. Um, I almost, it almost sticks out more um, because I did not like the heat and I was watching two, I was watching them to fail intently (laughs) that I think I consumed more just basketball and just, you know, really, yeah. really not missing a minute, especially of playoff basketball for those four years than I did, say, the Warriors runs or, or anything like that. So for me personally, that that Miami team, um, you know, has a special, special place in my memory. So I agree I, I, that it resonates with me, too, in the same way. I think I consumed more basketball in those four years and knew more of the players, more of the deeper level of the players across all the teams during that time. Now, part of it was because I was like, I was living in Toronto, watching all the games every night. Like it was just sort of in sync with my my schedule versus later on. But I think too, like I was saying at the top, like it just there was this it it, it really hit the the culture, like just everything from the decision to what those players could do. When you look at the old clips now of how they played, they just captured everyone's imagination. Um I, and and it was like it was very engrossing across the sports world and really even kind of beyond the sports world too. In those four years, I think what I meant by forgotten history, not that people don't recognize that these guys were around and this obviously LeBron is there, but it just felt like certainly during the Warriors run during the, you know, this, even this Raptors win, like there would, there was this, we talked about Kevin Durant, talk about Steph and these years, talk about the Cavs that LeBron was part of. But then like, there's this kind of acknowledgement of the, of, you know, even more, I almost feel like the 08 Celtics get more recognition or more they're right at the forefront of people's minds more than the four years of the heat in some ways. And that kind of goes back to when we covered the, the Celtics, um, that the one, the one year, the, the, the shooting stars pod. I don't know. It, it is a bit, it's a subjective point. There's no like data kind of, um, to support that kind of uh, assertion. It was just a question. I kind of wondered in my head because it, it felt like when you think about the, 
the 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 gap between the peak of their relevance and how much attention we gave them to then versus how much we think and talk about them later it felt like it's it's not quite there versus people still kind of bring up the Kobe and Shaq years and we covered that in a previous pod um but that's what I can true now it's true yeah what, yeah you're but, not wrong with, okay now as far as basketball goes I want to make the case to you about they may be overwhelmed underwhelmed okay so they lasted only four years and when we're talking about dynasties there was like we covered the Spurs in the beginning, which they didn't win back to back, but it was like a twenty-year stretch of excellence, and they kind of only always pretty much got better and better as each with each win. They looked more effective with each each win, in my opinion. These Heat, they kind of when the, the smell test, they just looked outmatched for lots of the regular season games. There are so many games where they just played to the level of their competition. There was even in the beginning, first two years where. They lost against all the favorites and like whether well, it's the Pacers and the Bulls and the Lakers, like they, they could only beat the, the scrub teams like the Raptors. And that's how they maintain the record. They like then you get into one of the years they were underdogs, which was against the Spurs in the final year. In the in the year where they were one of the years they were favorites, they lost to the Mavs. They they had only one season where they got more than sixty wins, which was their third year. And that was that was the year they took the number one seed. But other than that, out of the four years, they were number two seed um, again in the East, between like behind like the Bulls or the Pacers, depending on the year. Um, the first win came against the Young Thunder team, which was in the lockout shortened season. And we'll get to the Spurs a bit later on. We'll go into a bit more detail about that. But kind of when I list uh, kind of those kind of rapid bullets, are are they the weakest dynasty there is? True or false? Oh, so we're okay. So we're elevating them to dynasty status, and we're saying of that, um, yeah, distinction uh, between the Warriors because I'm calling them a dynasty. I just said they have an asterisk, but beside their dynasty, <laughs> they're punched behind all the years. Whereas the, the 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 Heat, though, I'm just saying, are they a weak dynasty? Like you, you behind you just, the Warriors for sure. You you might as well start working on that book right now and like, just <laughs> set up a stand right outside of Oracle or whatever they're going to play now. And oh my god, the asterisk. Um, it's possible. Not for me, but I'm just trying yeah. to think of. Yeah, no, not 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 for me. In fact, I, okay. in a way, um, I mean, I consider the Warriors. Well, I, I consider. See, it's funny with dynasties because I always think of of a of a dynasty run. You know, what which is the the team that you know was was really stood out to me, and okay. I feel like the year the the lockout year, the the shortened season when they were mm. all teams were playing crazy schedules, like three games in a row and stuff like that. Um, Four and, and five, they had, yeah, yeah exactly, and. Um, um, so I'm, I'm going to say no, because it's, it's weird with the Miami team. And I'll tell you why, when they lost to the Mavs and people were calling for, um, you know, they were questioning LeBron's clutch, his, his grit. You talked about grit recently and, and whatnot as a LeBron hater and as a Miami heat, um, just, you know, well, a Miami heat hater as well. The thing that I was worried about, and it it was very apparent the very next year that 
they all had pretty short memories and they knew exactly what they had to do to a make it to the finals again and 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 close out that's to me that's scary that's actually um you know people often associate dynasties as teams that you know keep winning year after year after year and i lament about the buffalo bills and here's the thing about the buffalo bills and the miami heat is that you know buffalo had like like thurman thomas was like the best running back in the nfl um you know, Bruce Smith was the best defensive player in the NFL, arguably. Uh, they had Andre Reid. They had all these players. And, you know, same with Miami. And I guess the difference is, is that Miami won those, you know, they 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 they, they had a, they had two losses sandwich, sandwiching wins. And, you know, here's the Bills who should have won the first two, at least against the Redskins and the Giants. And it's like, it's just so funny how, you know, making it to the finals and then the difference between winning and losing just, it, it, it I don't know, I, I just find it fascinating. I was just thinking about the Bills a lot because I've, I've been watching them and I'm thinking about, well, you know, the the Miami Heat were rolling together for four years, four trips to the finals, but they won two and people are still going to nitpick that that's kind of a failed dynasty, both in, you're making the claim because of tenure. A lot of people make the claim that they, you know, that they they lost two um, so for me, um, I just look at the fact that they made it four straight after losing the first one. It just proved to me that they were still the best team in the NBA during those four years. And that to me is the true mark of a dynasty. Like who was the best team in those four years collectively, maybe even five, if you want to add a year prior, a year after. And I don't think it was the Spurs. I, it, it may have been. It may have been OKC had they stuck together. It certainly was the Mavs because they blew up the next year. So for me, it's like, yeah, they were the best team, you know? That's interesting. Um, what I read into how you're describing the Heat is, I almost call them perennial contenders. I guess when I think dynasty, I think of so fearsome, so like a gap above everybody else. And that's what the Warriors were for several years. You know, it was a lot of, in my opinion, Opinion. A lot of it was perception, and I already made the case why there's an asterisk. With the Heat, they never struck that much fear into the into their competition, where they were, you know, two deviations above everybody else, right? Like if you look at there was the Celtics who still thought that they had the Heat, and they were up at one point. There were the Pacers and the Bulls. The Bulls had actually swept the Heat in the regular season in uh, I think it was 20, 2012, I believe. Where, but then you know they did lose to the Heat in the in the playoffs, but there was always that there was always the Heat playing down to their competition, and some might say, well, that's just yeah. because they're so superior. But I'm like, well, if they're that superior, then it would just be like the way Clay and Steph could just scorch everybody in the third quarter, and that would be it. They'll just all right, time to go take hit the showers now. I just want to rest up before I get to my uh, golf game tomorrow morning. Um, I would turn that. Will... Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I never the Heat were never to that point. I know they had that twenty-seven game win streak, but even then, there were a bunch of times when they had to kind of eke it out. It was never just world-beating dominance. But yeah, what were you gonna say? I would turn that argument a bit on its head because for okay. me, the annoying part about watching the Heat all those years was that yeah, they would. They were all the things that you said, right? Um, by the way, didn't they have like a? They did have a twenty-game winning streak at one point. 27. 27. So this is this is the way I see the Miami Heat different from the Warriors. 
the Warriors on paper were supposed to scorch the other team and they always they never had to go to plan B because plan A always worked. Whereas the Heat sometimes would have to go to plan B and C, but this is what I'm thinking about their dominance. They thought they were the best. That's why they danced like Mason Puffy at the Source Awards, you know, <laughs> thinking they were going to get 10 rings. That's why um they were so flamboyant and you know, the, the no-sell after losses or tight games or, you know, people would think that there was a situation between Spolstra and the rest of the team. And just, you know, because the media really was grasping at straws because not only fans were kind of wanting their demise, there were certain media members that wanted to portray the Miami Heat as this team that can't possibly win with with three guys of this caliber. Um, so there was that, um, there was that made-up narrative. I always saw the Miami Heat as they thought they were the best. And it was just about championships and going to the finals. And it didn't matter if it was as pretty as Clay and Curry would do it years later. They, to me, they did it more with athleticism. See, that's, they might not have scared teams, but what scared me about watching them, and I, I have to assume that other teams have, they were just so much more athletically gifted. They, these guys could all run. They could all finish. They could all create their own shot. The fact that Bosch was relegated to a third option was just um, was 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 a feather in their cap. So I saw their dominance and their intimidation as something maybe a little bit differently. I think it's when um, because we see it in other sports, we see it we see it with fighters too. I mean, I, you know, I think everyone thinks they can beat Steve Miocic in the UFC. He's a he's their heavyweight champion, um, but yeah. He doesn't. He he's like I'm the best in the world, and sign up whoever you'll see why I'm the best. And then you keep betting against them day after day after fight after fight after fight. And then you know once you see like five years go by, you're like, wow, he was he, he was the heavyweight king, and that's that's how I felt about Miami during a lot so, of that. Like I'll flip that argument on its head now. Now they had Plan B and C. The thing is, is the Warriors really didn't need a Plan B and C. They just were like, "We're just going to go win this game," and that was it. That's, that's they, exactly that's it. Lose. Yeah, that was my whereas, point. They never needed it. Yeah. Whereas uh, to me, that's dominance. Whereas the Heat weren't. We're just kind of lacking that dominance, and that's why I'm like, okay, well, you know, good. Con- you're a strong contending team. Good for you. You win, but you're not in the. You're not in the upper upper echelons of greatness the way these other guys are and that's why i'm talking about them the way they are now they're now when you look when i look back at their old clips and it's just super fun to watch um a lot of athletics the, the kind of probably the best athletic plays that we might have ever really seen to be honest in our sure. lifetime repeatedly night in night out and uh, they would do like some really crazy just defensive play turnover throw it in from this weird corner it's like going like you know, half the court, then it's going another pass half the court because these three guys are running out, running everybody. And then, okay, alley-oop dunk, and it's like a behind-the-back but dunk or whatever. Okay, good for you. Super athletic, and maybe that's ooh and ahhing the crowd. But, you know, good for you. You got your two points. That's that's what I that's what I would think every time I saw it. I was never that impressed by what I saw because it always looked like it was um, – I'm not even – it's not even retro – like in – what do you call it? It's not even – revisionist history on my part that's actually what i thought before they were going to play i would say that to friends when i'd be out for drinks i'd be like you know i mean it's just going to be two points like good for them they got three guys who don't really fit in the same way that the big three in boston fit they were a natural fit because of the different positions they played different skill sets they had these guys are going to run try to do everything as a fast break 
but you're eventually going to get tired because that's just how it works over 82 games. And you're going to get two points and good for you. But when you face real teams who have real coaching and real strategy, you're going to hit walls. And we kind of saw them hit walls later on. Now they were so athletic. They managed to just eke it out each time. And they kind of get, we'll get to a bit of the luck that they, they encountered a bit later on. But I would, I would just say, okay, good for them. They'll hit their two points. And, um, and then they'll have to get back on defense again. And it never felt like a scalable, repeatable system and process. The way it just looked like it was so much work and so much effort just to just to get the two points. That's what it always seemed like. That's 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 fair. That's fair. And um, I think that so <laughs> what what you just articulate is what I I have a friend who's the ultimate LeBron hater. And I remember during this time, <laughs> during this time, I kid you not. We'd be watching, um, God, we'd be watching like Sports Center or something like that, and LeBron would do like a dunk, like a fast break dunk, and the guy would just pipe up and say, "Like, oh, LeBron does the same dunk every time." And I'm like, "Oh, you mean the one where he reaches like ten feet behind him and you know <laughs> jumps one foot in from the free throw line? That that dunk that he does all the time, yeah." <laughs> So it, it, it actually reminds me of what you said. They they did all this stuff, but you have to understand they they didn't have you know they didn't hack the system like um, like the Warriors did, right? I mean they they were reasonable three point shooting team. You're right. They did it with a lot of athletic defense, and they could run out and then run back, and they they did a lot. They were all in their athletic prime, so. <clears throat> They really, that was their X's and O's. We're just like, well, we're athletically gifted. We're just going to make the other team, you know, try and keep up with us, with us athletically. And you're right. There was definitely easier ways to score those two buckets, but uh, maybe it wasn't that kind of team. Um, but, it, you know, that's, that's, that's the way I saw their athleticism was that yeah, that's the way they were built. They were having fun too, right? And they, they were supposed to, I guess, in a way, be a different type of Showtime basketball to what um you know the lakers did in the in the 80s right they kind of that's if you recall that's exactly what everyone was picturing because you know Dwayne Wade was like who who did everyone want to see in the in the dunk off you know up until that point it was Dwayne Wade and uh and LeBron James and we never got that but we got these two <laughs> guys we got these two guys putting on duo dunks in game that were just insane and we got that night in night out so i think for a lot of fans we knew we were going to get that kind of basketball anyways um you know how it was going to manifest into points and wins and and all that i guess we could you know talk about that right now but uh i think it was pretty apparent that you know that's the kind of basketball they were going to play once those two hooked up because that's all you envisioned them doing <laughs> yeah um it's true and it's aesthetically it's, it was just fun to it was fun it's fun to watch but uh i was just making the case why i'm like eh, okay dominance now talking about their four-year run okay so we won't go too deep on mavs heat because we covered that quite extensively um when we talked about the mavs kind of the one-off win and what it meant for that franchise um but the, just to re reiterate there they the heat were the favorites and they lost so i was like okay strike one against the heat they were supposed to win they didn't even face like that Laker team that was facing a three P 
So, okay, that's one thing. So they come back, and to their credit, they come back the following year. But I know you give them the credit for that in, in a lot of people's minds, including my own. I'm like, well, they're supposed to, if they're that good, come back. Um, it wasn't like they're broken down. Like they've already been to like four finals and you think, can these guys really come back for a fifth finals? Like that's a bit different. So then they faced this, the Thunder that next year. Now backtrack just a little bit. The Thunder had lost two games to the Spurs in the conference finals. The Spurs had actually swept rounds one and two, 4-0, 4-0. Then they won two games against the Thunder. The, the, the Spurs are just like world beating at this point, 10 games in a row, 10 wins in a row in the final in the playoffs. They had actually been on a 10-game win streak in the regular season leading into that. So they had basically won 20 straight games, half of them in the playoffs. So that's against playoff teams. Then the Thunder win four games in a row, uh, which you do that simulation again, like 10 more times, 15 more times. I don't think that happens where the Spurs are up 2-0 and then they lose four straight games to the Thunder. I do think, you know... More likely than not, maybe the Thunder do beat the Spurs. They were just younger, more athletic, more talented than that Spurs team. But I don't know. I I also kind of, I'm like, I'll, I would give it to the Thunder, say, 51% of the time. I just think that that Spurs team, very strong and solid. What could have figured out the Thunder in many other years. Um, it just might have been a bad matchup for the Spurs, too. So if you had that Spurs team facing the Heat in 2011-12, and then I guess the subsequent, subsequent two years, we see how the Spurs match up against that Heat. And that Spurs team was younger, younger by a couple of years. Um, so it would have been different. I think when the Heat faced that Thunder that year, it would, to me, in my head, it was kind of a foregone conclusion that the Heat were going to win. They were facing a young Thunder team that wasn't as sophisticated yet. That, that was the first time in the finals. And I think the year prior, they were an eighth seed that they lost to the Lakers. So it was clear to me that they were going to win. And I didn't know if I had that much faith in Scott Brooks, which has borne out. He never really showed that he was that excellent yeah. a coach. Yeah. I mean, and also in that, in that year, Mike Miller drained seven, three pointers, seven of eight for three in the, in the, in the, I think in the, uh, in game five when they won the championship. So I'm like, okay, so you relied on like a really low probability performance. So I was like, that's, that's for year one. Um, of this before I go into the other years, because I think that we're really going to dive into that. But do you have, um, I'm oh, sorry, that's year two. Do you have any comment on the Thunder win? Like, were yeah, you just like, I, you give them no, I was, I was, or? I was all in, I was all in for the okay. Thunder. I, I've enjoyed that, uh, Western Conference finals so much. Um, I was grinning, I was rubbing my hands, saying, Oh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's over. You, these guys are going to crush you. Like, look how good they look, look how good they look against the Spurs. Um, oh, you thought the Thunder were going to crush the Heat? Absolutely. At least, okay. at least, <laughs> at least win them. At least beat them as convincingly as uh, as the Mavs did the year before. And oh, okay, you know, I had I had good reason to because you know I figured, mm, yeah, they're younger, but you know, I'm seeing like, you know, technically Durant team. is like Durant's like a better version of Dirk. I mean, he is now, but at the time, I was thinking, wow, this guy could be like. Um, you know, just just a, a better, younger team, and I guess it just, just didn't happen. And um, but yeah, I was much- really just I was really just enjoying that Western series, and I I wanted that to be the finals. I'm like, okay, um, Thunder are gonna win, and Heat's gonna come on the other side against the Celtics. I thought, <clears throat> and this is what I want, right? This, this is the series that I want the year before I wasn't too keen on, on the Mavs chances. 
and okay. they did win. But I thought, okay, this will shut up the Heat dynasty once <laughs> these, these young guns, wow. you know, really give it to them. And 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 really and really, it was going to be a because um, I talk about in other sports, right? How you think there's going to be a coronation because you know you're an established star and you're still young, but then you know someone even younger comes and just undercuts you. And I thought that's and I thought that's was was going to happen. I think I was. Yeah, I was like, yeah, eighty percent chance the Heat are going. In my head, I'm like, yeah, I feel as confident the Heat are going to win this. It's not. It's not. It's not a compelling matchup. It just felt like Big Brother beats Little Brother. Senior team beats the var- the, the the varsity team. Varsity varsity team beats the JV team. That's kind of right. how I was picturing it. That that's but, that's how it ended up being. But for me, I thought that okay, this team is a younger, better version of the Mavs. And if the Mavs, yeah. so I was just I was just doing a bit of math in my head. Okay, and, yeah. If the Mavs yeah. can win, and therefore the Thunder have yeah. a better chance. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, that's interesting because in I uh, wonder if I had enough faith in the Mavs. I kind of did, just because they are vets, and I guess I'm biased towards stellar veteran teams zeller veteran ensemble casts um mm-hmm. and again it goes back to how i always thought that he like just my view of their play i'm like okay good for you guys you got your two points from your fast break and dunk and you're going to try and do that for 48 minutes good for you for trying um against the Dwayne casey defense so then that's two years gone by and then we're kind of giving them their win for the first for that one win against the thunder which i'm like well good for you, you beat some young kids and it was a shortened season no asterisks, apparently, even though there's an asterisk on the Spurs win, this is a shortened season. But anyway, then we get to the next two years. And this is what was interesting, right? So these two finals, and I think we've covered this in a previous pod somewhere. I think it's the Spurs dynasty. But it was my, there might be my favorite finals that I think I might have really watched. It was just the yeah. cultural zenith, I think, of the NBA. I think so. I think when historian, NBA historians look back over the next... 40 years when we're 40 years out from now, I, I feel like they're going to look at that as the apex in some ways. I mean, I know the business numbers may not be, may, the business numbers may tell a different story, but uh, just what it, where it meant. I don't know. And this could be nostalgia, could be nostalgia. But anyway, 2012, 2013, they, I'm going to just kind of hone in on game six and seven here because the Heat and Spurs are having a really good series. The Spurs are, in charge and then there's a sequence of plays here where ginobili he's driving to the rim doesn't he i in my opinion gets fouled doesn't get called for doesn't get the foul call Kawhi misses free throws duncan's taken out by popovich like and where he can't get cannot catch the the famous rebound by bosch um and then and then ray allen hits the three I know I'm, I'm getting a bit of the place kind of mixed up here. At one point, Danny Green loses sight off his man. We can, I think I, I sent you this clip here. It's it's kind of hard to have a spot because there's not really a much talked about play. I just remember Popovich talking about, at one point, we haven't secured the rebound. and We already got one guy drifting away from defense, move, trying to think he's going to go get a fast break, leaving LeBron open to get his shot. So... There was a lot of things happening in game six where um, it was just almost like the universe conspiring to let Ray Allen hit that shot and to get that win. That's just game six, though, to, for the Heat to stave off of elimination. Game seven is where Tim Duncan misses that one, you know, that one very short shot and that he's made millions of times or thousands of times before. You can see him hit that ground and he's really emotional because he's like, oh, that's my shot. Um, and 
I, there was just a lot of things that had to go right for that Heat to win. Because in my opinion, that Spurs team, like they pretty much had that series. They were they were ready to win that series, you know. Um, and then game, was, game seven, Shane Battier hit goes six for eight from three. Like, all right, Shane Battier shoots seventy five percent from three point range. Okay, that's what it takes to win. So, sorry, what were you gonna say? Actually, you you're, um, you mentioned Shane Battier. You've mentioned Ray Allen. The one thing about this Heat teams is they had a lot of decent riffraff players. Um, yeah, that I don't well, think. Okay, gets... he's not riffraff though, right? He's a really well. Good he's he's riffraff. I mean, basically he's anyone, basically anyone, not the big three, and I would say Shane Battier and uh, you know and Ray Allen. Mike. But you had, you know, um, it's funny too because I just saw uh, here in 2020. I was watching. Where was I watching? Oh yeah, I was watching Raptors and. Miami preseason, and I see Bam do his warm up, and behind him, I'm like, that can't be Udonis Haslam in a, yeah, a warm up yeah, jersey. He's on the and I'm like, I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I, I love it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean Haslam, um, Richard Lewis, Mario Chalmers, liked, yeah, Mario Chalmers. Rich- I did. It, it's funny because I always, I always like these players that I always kind of liked, and Richard Lewis, I think, is is my guy. Kind of like how Glenn Rice was for for the Lakers. That okay, if if even though I don't like this team, I don't really care for it. But if 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 any player is going to get a ring, it's him. And knowing what we know now about Eric Spolstra, um, it's pretty incredible that you know he he needed some players, which he had. But I guess kind of like now that he has with this current incarnation of of Miami Heat he was able to do a lot with some decent players I don't think that's a coincidence excuse me I don't think it's a coincidence that um you know these Eric Spolster teams they had a really deep bench they performed when they had to and when you and I are looking at key plays from both their championship um runs that you know there was there was some well-executed plays there were some well-executed moments from guys that weren't the big three. I don't think that's a coincidence. About, oh, like them being able to do that and Spostra being a good coach? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we didn't appreciate it at the time. I know I did not. But it's when we look at the body of work from then and then, obviously, with the recent run they've had now, it's very evident. And we didn't appreciate it then because we just saw the bread and butter being the those fancy plays by LeBron and Wade that we've talked about earlier. Um, so, yeah, they did have a good team. I mean, it has never been discounted. They did have a good team. Um, the riffraff, like as you point out, yeah, I mean, they're just different guys just showed up at the right times. Like we talked mm-hmm. about Shane Radier, Shane Batty, or Mike Miller shooting those threes when they needed to and then being like, all right, I'm out. I got my, got my ring. I'm done. Um, but I, I mean, when I think about that, well, we'll come back more to that that one championship there that the Heat won against the Spurs, and that's when people are thinking, okay, so now he's won. LeBron's won two in a row. Okay, LeBron's finally on his way. He's gonna, who knows what's gonna happen now? Maybe he's gonna win six in a row with the Heat. You know, like that's just what happens when we get caught up in the hysteria. This might have been the time when the people started to kind of turn around to just hate LeBron less, or even stop hating LeBron, because people just like winning. People like to cheer on winners. We just sort of do. Absolutely, um, you know, might have it might have been when we started to change there, and um, well, I guess also too. I mean, LeBron and the Heat started to I'd have to double check what time frame, but they had already won. I think when they started becoming more of a voice for social consciousness and that kind of stuff, right? Um, 
So it was happening around a similar time. And I think people just got used to the idea that, okay, now they're in Miami, so just get over it. Um, even fans in Cleveland were just getting over it by this point, right? Like uh, towards the end, there's some, some, you remember some of that, one of that fan, that one fan on, in Cleveland who ran onto the court to hug LeBron saying, ah, please come back or something like that. Like, oh, that's, that's just, awesome. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, there was, there was a clip out there. And then there was, you'd see those little kind of, interviews or just those minor comments quotes that'd be like yeah you know just that the, the, the booing and the stuff kind of tapered off in cleveland it wasn't fully gone but it was like well you know you just never know um whatever happens in the future that that kind of feel and lebron even showing up for big Z, uh zildrunas ogalskis's jersey retirement those kinds of things there were just these little olive branches to try and mend things over which obviously paved the way for him to come back so I, I did remember. I did remember um, LeBron's first game back in Cleveland. Well, that was and, uh, yeah. That was I, I I remember watching that, and I think I think Barkley might have said like, "Oh, he's he can't he can't the talk. The <laughs> yeah. He can't the talk. he can't he can't do that, right? He can't do that." And, and, and he did it. And the fans just. Oh, he said. I, well, what Chuck did was Chuck did the chalk clap, and he says, "I dare you, LeBron! I dare you!" Do it right. So he was mocking <laughs> LeBron. That's who. Oh, and LeBron did it. Um, okay. Then 2013-14, the Heat. They're at their. I don't even know their, their peak because Le, Le, Wade's body starts to break down a bit. And he starts to have to rest more. Then the Spurs just straight dominate LeBron. It was very convincing. It was really not much to talk about there. So then, of course, the rest is history. Pat gives his famous press conference where he just said, no, this is hard. This is hard. You can't win every year. That's just how it works. One team out of 30 wins. You got to come back. And so people think that he was taking shots at LeBron. We're not going to talk about the free agency stuff because that, you know, that's been well documented. Then that's it. That's it. That's the four years. LeBron leaves for Cleveland. Um, wait, before I go, uh, I didn't have much to talk about the the 13-14 season because it's whatever. They just straight got dominated by the Spurs. And that's more of a testament to Pop's greatness, which is why we started off the Dynasty series yep. um, with the, those Spurs. Do you have anything to talk about with that that series? I'll just I'll just echo what you said. Those were two of the greatest you know years and then just the finals as well. If you watch nothing else but but the finals and kind of maybe just a little bit of a highlight package of of how each team got there. It was um it was great. It was great. And, you know, I watched it. Um, basically, I was living in an apartment um, in Mississauga, and it was like, it was something really cool about it because, you know, it was just a year ago. And here I am, same place. You know, I'm at the same job. I'm, it's it's deja vu. And here I am watching it again. It's, it's almost like, you know, um, not to go on off into a tangent, but you know, we really missed that with Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, right? They really should have had that rematch a year later at WrestleMania 13. Um, that's, you know, there's a reason why, you know, the best stories have a, a year long story arc and that's what made this one um, really good. And, um, and then, you know, the year that's, you know, the, the year where they, they played again, I suppose I thought that it was going to be the same. I mean, I, I certainly didn't know enough about Kawhi Leonard to know that he would be that good. And he was having that good of a year leading up to it. Um, it's not like he kind of came out of nowhere, but, yeah, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I mean, he was like a ninth or 11th pick, right? So it wasn't, 
you know, people weren't really paying attention to him. Right. And then, and then there's, yeah. there's all these nuggets that have come out a year later where um, I think LeBron's at the free throw line and um, the, uh, the arena buzzer goes off and, and Kawhi's checking back at checking back into the game for Danny Green and LeBron's going, he, he couldn't even not sell it. He was like, damn. He was like, because that's you know they 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 stuck him on him and stuff, and um, <laughs> so it was still even though you're right, it was a dominant finals win for the Spurs, but it was still very compelling. And again, the fact that what happened a year ago happened, um, just it just made it. Um, I don't know. It was just it was just, it was just really cool to see. And I know for me, um, yes, I was cheering for Miami to lose, but it's like you said, man, it was, we also want to see greatness. We want to see, you know, pop just have this yeah. resurgence and just, and it was great to see that. Yeah. LeBron James might be the greatest player to ever play, but pops, you know, probably the greatest coach to ever play. If you, if you really want to, you know, think about it just in terms of, of the things he's done differently than, um, than Phil Jackson. So that was great to see too. Yeah. The redemption story was real. So let's mm-hmm. okay. So some fun questions here is okay. Um, if LeBron doesn't leave Miami, do they just okay? I don't know, but I won't just ask you. Do they continue to win championships year over year? I would say, can they just keep going to the finals? That team or whatever Pat has to do. But if LeBron doesn't leave Miami, because he went to the he went to the finals following with Cleveland, but what happens if he didn't go to Cleveland? He stayed in Miami. Say the next three four years after that. What we know about LeBron, yeah, he pretty much is a lock in the East to go to the finals. So Yeah. Now, I, if they go to that finals another four years, that's eight finals in a row for Miami Heat, then I mm-hmm. would just unequivocally call that Miami Heat, the Heatles, a dynasty. Right. Right. But here's a little twist, though, right? Bosch's health complications with his blood clots and stuff like that, that's, you know, and that was going to happen, I guess, no matter what, because that's his health. But if that happens, it's just LeBron and Wade, and I guess whatever Pat can put together on that Heat team, they still go to the finals. Bosch is gone, it's and Ray true. Allen would have retired because he basically yeah, said, okay, I hit true. my shot. I'm I'm well, old now. I'm done. What we know about that team, that organization, is they draft pretty well, they develop pretty well, and if Spolstra is as good as a coach, who knows? I don't know what kind of players came through the system. It's funny because that time we. Yeah, because we we know would have been Shabazz Napier. Shabazz Napier was the guard that they drafted. That kind of would have been it because they didn't have that many draft picks. But they had to trade a bunch of stuff away. They Mm -hmm. were kind of capped out. So that was the whole theory about LeBron that he knew. Yeah, but you know, uh, draft. They just went to Cleveland who had draft picks. The thing about LeBron too is he he too drafts well because he picks players (laughs) that are right. It's like, hey, I want to play with LeBron, and he seems to do that pretty much everywhere. Um, You know, he's. It's kind of like Hulk Hogan enters a new promotion. I want to work with my guys, right? So he just, you know, he kind of has his pick at the litter. Um, so who, who, who knows um, how that would have? But I, I would assume he would have done just as well in Miami as he did with Cleveland. You, you really have to assume that yeah. uh, winning in Cleveland is just like the ultimate <laughs> handicap. It's just, it's really trying to run. It's, it's really trying to run like you're. It's really trying to like do cardio you're you're running um you know your 12k in like soft sand in cleveland whereas um miami it's just i mean it's it's everything right it's 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 paradise but it's also a good organization 
So then Miami, so then Miami has LeBron. They go to the finals another four years. This is going to coincide with the Warriors over that time period. So now we have a Miami Golden State rivalry over a four year period. Yeah. Let's put aside Durant first for the first year. The Miami team has to beat that Warriors team, right? We assume, <laughs> like, I know you wanted to. Uh, I don't know. Well, it's don't true, know. right? I mean, forget well, Kevin Love and Kyrie. Like, uh, Dwayne Wade is still probably better than those two at that point, right? And when they have Bosch too. Yeah, but you know, I'm I'm thinking, man, I'm thinking Dwayne Wade is trying to is probably going to try and turn into a three point shooter and chuck up like fifteen no, he, behind he the arc because right? he's he's never well, been a good three point shooter. I know, but he's probably yeah. I don't know. That would be really interesting. I don't think they need to hit threes, right? I don't. I think that's overblown that you have to hit threes to compete against Golden State. But I, I, so I think that's what they. I think that's the false sense of security that you you have to have that kind of game. I think that's why Golden State was was so good because they 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 force you to play a game that you're not exactly built for. So I don't know. It would have been interesting. They beat the Cavs when Kevin Love and Kyrie got hurt. So mm-hmm. that was it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, say they face a healthy LeBron, a reasonably healthy Wade who's been rested through the season to a degree. I don't think those Warriors in 2015 were better than the Spurs the previous two years. I think the Heat just roll them. Um, then they get to the next year. I think the Heat roll them again. I think the following year, Kevin Durant joins. Let's say, um, mm-hmm. or it's, I think that the the Warriors with Kevin Durant versus those Heat. That's interesting. Because LeBron, like you were saying, um, for some reason, I I know I started off talking about how the Heat were not, and, and I don't think it's not a knock to call a team not really a dynasty. Because talking about the gap, like I'm, I'm still saying they're a championship team, a perennial contender, and that Cavs team was clearly not a dynasty. So I actually think this Heat team might have fared better against those Warriors in those years. Had so if LeBron had stayed. You remember the type that the trophy being wheeled out, the security guard showing up at the court. They put the tape around when there's 20 seconds left in game six. People keep talking about how the Spurs choked it. They keep saying it's choked it away. I'm like, ah, some missteps. It's like, I wouldn't call it a choke. It's just that's how a game goes sometimes. Um, I did think it was a lot of bad luck. Does the tape and the trophy coming out like that, does that affect the game? (laughs) Do you think so? I don't know. I don't know. To be honest. the Heat become a little more motivated, become a little more locked in because they see this? Do you think the Spurs get a little spooked because they think they're being jinxed? Do you think even just the physical presence of security guards is sort of a distraction to a player like inbounding from the side because there's less yeah. space? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I definitely know what you mean. I, I didn't know about – I knew about the fans leaving, right? And that that probably definitely pissed off – you know, you, you picture – especially a guy like LeBron. Like that guy plays <laughs> till the final whistle. So he's probably like – you know, screw these fans, right? Uh, he's probably thinking like they wouldn't do this in Cleveland type of thing. Um, just a slight tangent. I was watching Buffalo Bills the other day, uh, just yesterday, and they just clinched the AFC East for the first time since 1995. And the team they were playing, um, the announcer said that, oh, the opposing team knows that if the Bills win today, that they're going to get their T-shirt and hats, and that's going to motivate them because they don't want a T-shirt and hat day <laughs> happening on their home field. And I'm like, I'm I never thought of it like that, but um, you know, so uh, <laughs> it was interesting. I mean, yeah, I could see I could see Pop not liking that visual if he could have <laughs> right. You could just 
you know, you could probably see him because he's, I don't know if he's the type of guy that's ever accepted, you know, the Western Conference trophy and, you know, talked a lot about it. You know, he just seems like a guy. It's like, no, the job's only done when, when's the finals. And, um, you know, there's the famous shot. There's the famous shot. Yeah, there's the famous shot of Larry Bird, like, not being happy when Reggie hit the big three against the Bulls. Oh, yeah. Well, for two things. Yes, he knew that Michael was going to still have a chance to to run it back. And it was was the Eastern Conference. I mean, Bird's won the championship. Why is he going to celebrate a conference championship when it's it's nothing to a guy that's won it all multiple times? So, And you're um, trying to show your players, like, what the priority should be, right? Yeah, you're trying to be an example for the players. Yeah, I think I think if I think if you had to pick, was it more of a jinx or more of a motivation for Miami? I could see it being more of a motivation for for Miami, seeing that okay, fans are leaving, they're our home court. This is embarrassing. This is like you know two losses in three years. That if anything, it might have been a bit of a, a bit of a punch in the sack for for um, for those Heat teams to um, for the Heat team to. Um, get it going there i think it's uh, just a big distraction there was that one inbound play it's like it has to affect the inbound i mean or it just has to affect like you have to think about these guys on the side of the court now that weren't there before which goes back to what we talked about when we talked about the bubble how they have more space around the Mm -hmm. court Mm -hmm. Um, so i think that's one that it's just amazing how much how little space that there is when you look at those yeah which i guess adds to the to the to the feel of the game when you can say oh the fans get to sit that close i will never sit that close like i mean i'll never have the money for those tickets but if i ever did i don't wouldn't sit that close because i don't want to have a 200 pound guy elbow me in the face by accident you know when he's right or an outbound you got to be locked into even when you're locked in it's, it's just like these guys are moving faster than you are that's for sure so um i just don't remember other finals years where they were just yeah we're just gonna have the security guys show up at the court and the game's not even done yet not even close to being done yet like i don't know what they were thinking it's not like it's a 20 point lead then you can start doing this stuff, right? It's the game can go either way. And I get it. It's really important for them to get the TV stuff ready, but just cut to a commercial and then come back later. It's like, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, It's true. So, okay. Next question is if the Spurs win that 2013, 14, sorry, the 12, 13, the third title. So they win two years in a row. That means that the heat would have won only one title. Then are we still doing this podcast? (laughs) Like that there are dinosaurs. (laughs) I mean, I'm probably doing it because, as you know, I'm I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know, because again, it goes back yeah, to the Buffalo Bills, right? I'm yeah. to me, it's it's pretty impressive. I know. Okay, so let's just let's let's assume that they won all four years, right? And and that's the dynasty. And well, then, then it's a dynasty for sure, because I don't know. Well, what team, you, I don't you 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 say that, but, but you say that, but like you know, you'll listen to like, you know. God, you listen to like these old boomers that are just like, oh, the seventies Montreal Canadiens won like eight in a row, and 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 with the full knowledge, with the full awareness of today's salary cap structure and free agency and these things, it's just some people are such sticklers for tradition. Yeah, but no one's won four in a row like since. I mean, I don't even know if the Celtics have ever won four in a row. Like the, the the Bill Russell Celtics, I don't think they actually did. Yeah, if so, that's the case, then yeah. But I'm just I'm just saying that there's people that are just such hard asses for like this is the rule set for dynasty. Yeah. This is what, and so I, I, for me, okay. it's like one out of one out of four. That's pretty good for me. 
okay, come on. You wouldn't really call them a dynasty if they won Maybe not a dynasty. Title, right? No, no, no. I wouldn't call it a dynasty, but you know, the thing you have to combat against is um wouldn't I wouldn't be saying they're bad and no one would be saying they're bad, but we're just we're not comparing them to the average teams and the bad teams. We're comparing them to the other world beating dynasties, the all timers. The thing I don't even know if you consider them an all timer. The thing you have to get into is, you know, which you know, ask the Detroit Pistons what have they have liked, you know, who who is the luckier fan base? You know, the two the two years that the Pistons, you know, stole championships potentially away from Lakers, Celtics and Bulls, and then just completely disassembled, you know, you know, uh, just 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 got ripped apart by injuries and trades. Or um, you know, four years of Miami, which was you know, two losses sandwiched around um, two wins. Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's 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 all good for me. Yeah, um, okay. Had they won one, yeah, I probably would have said like, I think I'd still go back to my default argument, which is that they're probably still the best team. Especially, well, I guess maybe not if if Spurs won two in a row, right? Um, yeah, that 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 would that would definitely that would definitely thwart my my premise. <laughs> but but say if um, say yeah. if a different team won from the West, um, my God, say if Lakers somehow won um, during one of those years, Kobe was able to sneak in a ring. Um, the fact that LeBron was able to make it to four straight finals, win one out of four. But against top flight competition that only could muster, you know, one championship team um, out of those three years, right? That, that kind of stretch. So there's something to be said about that as well. So, like now, the recurring theme that's come up through this conversation was about are the dynasty, how do you rank them against other, how do we weight them against other dynasties? And you mentioned something at the very beginning, which I want to touch on now, which is I, I brought up a point about how they're kind of forgotten they're kind of forgotten might be the wrong word because obviously we remember them, but the idea that they are sort of being underweighted, underappreciated as this world beating team for the four years compared to how much coverage they received then versus how much attention we talk, how much reverence we give them now. Like we still talk about the warriors right now, the reason, and you brought up the point about how well you brought up about, well, people are going to remember them because of LeBron. But the thing is, is here's where I want to flip it on its head a bit they're going to remember the arc of LeBron, the story of LeBron. Like he's the protagonist and the Heat were a step in his journey. And he kind of reached the zenith with this Cavs, those Cavs years. The people are always going to remember some of those plays that he made when he was with the, the second iteration of the Cavs with Kyrie and Kevin Love. Like the block, the Kyrie's shot, which was not really for LeBron. But just different things LeBron did then is what people are going to really remember. So the Heat... Are they a dynasty? I mean, it's really they are chapter two of the LeBronesty. Like that's kind of what it is, right? Right, right. You have your view of them as this dynasty, and I kind of waver back and forth. I'm almost on the side that they're not. But that's also why this this episode, these guys, are kind of the great segue into a next series, which we're going to dive into, which will be pretty fun. The almost dynasties, yeah. just a bunch of different teams that that you and I will definitely disagree on. They kind of might've mm -hmm. been a play away 
a win away, a move away, whatever that might have meant. Okay, they could have been the next great dynasty. Yeah, and, and you know, just a lot of teams that just sort of fell by the wayside, but just came that leaks in our minds came very close. Yeah, so we'll we'll get into that in the new year. All right, my man, um, this is great. So we'll pick it up. We'll pick up the next series in time. So anybody, the Heat are controversial team. Anybody wants to hate on LeBron, this is definitely the topic that we might find I might find some agreement with you on it um, but you can reach us at, at email us at bayheightspod at gmail.com you can tweet at us or get us on Instagram follow us please at bayheightspod is the handle alright Ryan check, check you later take care man bye Stick to your vision, keep the composition. Seen a lot of shame in the game. Seen a lot of pain with the fame. Seen a lot of highs and lows, but that's just the way life goes. Please, see my name written in the light.